where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Reading this morning from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and she went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and they went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He also saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been laying on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by themselves. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. And he saw and he believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. And so the two disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she said this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried away him, give him to me, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and to him said in Hebrew, Rabbini, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And so Mary Magdalene went, and she announced these things to the disciples, saying, I have seen the Lord. And she told him what he had told to her. Words of love for us today. 
There are Easter's that are memorable because of their picture-perfect excitement, and then there are Easter's that are memorable because of the challenges. The surreal experience of getting up this morning uh, on a snowy Easter, knowing I would not be able to be with you all in person, reminded me of another disjointed Easter that I had had quite a few years ago. My husband was still in the Navy at the time, and he deployed for his second deployment uh, for the Arabian Gulf. They left on Maundy Thursday, which was hard and also fitting. Good Friday felt appropriately dark, and Saturday was so quiet. Easter Sunday, I got up by myself, and I went to church, which was crowded and full of people, and for a couple of hours, it felt like Easter. I stood with the congregation, and I got to say all those words about how Christ was risen, alleluia, and death had ended. And I remember in particular the lines from the hymn, Darkness Veils the Earth no more. And as I sat with those, knowing that war was still waging its terrible toll, I could see clearly that this was true and untrue at the same time. Darkness veils the earth no more. It felt a bit like that this morning. Practicing physical distance as this started and unrolled throughout the nation seemed appropriately lint-like. We had some time for more introspection. But now I'm ready to stand here and sing the songs and say, where, oh where is death thy sting? But of course, we are aware that death does still sting. And that the fear of death has enough power to shut down the entire world. It's true no matter how many times we tell the story. No matter how many times we stand here and say, this is not the end. And so maybe even, even more than on other Easter's, we're wondering, how is it possible for something to be both true and untrue at the same time? The story of Easter has always been a story of hope tinged with fear of joy in the face of danger. It was that story for the very first people who experienced the resurrection. And it was that story for the authors of the Gospels when they tried to figure out how to write the experience down. And it has been that story for the past two millennia as people have read and wondered together What does this mean in times of hardship and celebration? 
What I've learned from telling the story of Good Friday with children and adults alike is how important it is every time we get to the hard part of the story to say, this is not the end. New life is coming. The thing that we've so successfully done on many Easter's in the past is we've been able to amplify the joy of the day with our trumpets and our choirs and our Easter outfits. We've been able to do the work of love by being louder than fear. It is a good and fitting way to celebrate Easter. And I know we all need moments of celebration when we are trying to buoy our spirits for the kingdom work. This year, though, we are asked to find joy and hope and courage in a quieter way. We're asked, I think, not to overcome the fear or to be brighter or louder than it, but to listen to it. And this, too, is a good and fitting way to celebrate Easter. The story of Easter in its most stripped-down version is full of confusion and grief. If you got lost when I was reading it, it's because the disciples spend the entire time running back and forth. They are moving between the empty tomb and wherever they had been staying, and they do not know what to make of it. It's worth mentioning that it is Mary who dares to sit in the place of fear and loss and grief, literally right outside the tomb, who receives the first encounter with the risen Christ. And even that doesn't bring certainty. If you get the church newsletter and you printed out the coloring sheets this week, you have an image of Mary as she recognizes Jesus, and she's running to him with her arms open, saying, Rabini, my teacher, and we show this moment with movement. She is so happy. The way you are when you greet someone you love. The Gospel of John doesn't tell us exactly what happens in those few moments. We think maybe there was a hug. Or maybe it was a quiet exclamation. But what we do know is that Jesus eventually replies, do not hold on to me, Mary. When we are faced with uncertainty, we are so tempted to hold on to anything that reminds us of the way that things used to be. We are so quick to reach for the world that we loved and the things that once made sense. But as so many wise people have said, resurrection is not resuscitation. Resurrection isn't a return to normal. It is the good and terrifying news that life will never again be normal. 
but that amidst the upheaval of recreation, what comes out on the other side could be worth it. There's a poem, piece of narrative writing that has been circulating on social media for a month or so now. I know many of you have seen it because I have seen several of you share it on Facebook. It was written by Kitty O'Mara, a retired teacher and chaplain, and it goes like this. And the people stayed home, and they read books, and they listened, and they rested, and they exercised, and made art, and played games, and learned new ways of being, and were still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows, and the people began to think differently. And the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed, and the people joined together again. They grieved their losses and they made new choices. And they dreamed new images and they created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. Almira said in an interview that she wrote this in one sitting because she was so anxious as the pandemic began to unfold, that she needed to find the words of hope within herself. She posted it to Facebook and it went viral, which is a phrase we now understand better than we used to. It went viral because the vision that she offers is prophetic. It is the possibility of recreation in the midst of destruction. In the Christian story, it is resurrection. It is the reminder that no act of death will ever be as great as the possibility of life. What was so hopeful to me about Omera's poem, as beautiful as it is, isn't just that it was so beautiful. It's that it did spread the way that it spread. It spread the same way that stories of the empty tomb spread, the same way the stories of resurrection encounters spread. It wasn't with grand proclamations or trumpets or dressed in fancy dresses. It was shared in whispers and quiet retellings and gentle questions like, could this be true? Or what if this really is how it is? And so maybe in the quiet of this Easter morning, we can hear those questions more clearly. I'd like to add another question, the one that lingers behind the Easter stories every time we tell them, what if we believed? What if this vision 
the one of life beyond death and creation beyond destruction became our vision. How would we change, even in the reality in which we are living? And with what hope would we run and dare to share with our friends? What if we believed this is not the end of the story? My simple prayer for each of us this morning, however and whenever we are celebrating, is that we have the courage to find out.